Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The news finally came through that Aaron Rodgers wants to be playing for the New York Jets. Now we just wait for the actual trade to become official. Also, the Cowboys are making moves and we look at some of the best bets for the first round of the men's NCAA tournament. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee's show on Wednesday and told the world he wants to be a New York Jet. And in the process, laid out exactly what he says happened in his relationship with the Green Bay Packers. It wasn't just the darkness retreat, though that is a fun place for all of this to have happened. What Roger says happened was that the Packers told him they would welcome him back. He went into his darkness retreat, having walked off the field in week 18 after he lost to the Detroit Lions, feeling 90% sure he was going to retire. When he came out of the darkness, he found out, according to him, from other players that the Packers had been sniffing around in the trade market. And we know now, based on the reporting, that the Packers and the Jets started conversations on a potential trade around the Super Bowl, which was before Aaron Rodgers went into his darkness retreat. So, according to Rodgers, this felt like a change in tone. Now, of course, in the same interview, he goes on to say that he felt like the Packers didn't actually want him to come back. And so, whether or not there was actually a tonal shift is... Certainly um, up for debate, I guess, is the most generous way we can say it when it comes to Rodgers' perspective on this. But Rodgers was also asked, would you have come back if they asked? To which he replied, did he want to come back? To which he replied, not really. And then he tried to equivocate and say it was because he didn't feel like the team wanted him back. This has been, from the beginning... A fight over the narrative. A fight over the PR of who is pushing who out of town. Aaron Rodgers is making it seem like the Packers forced him out. And maybe that's true. In fact, based on the reporting from longtime beat reporters in Milwaukee, this is the Packers saying, Aaron, thanks but no thanks. We're good with Jordan Love. Enjoy your time in New York. And Aaron Rodgers saying... Yeah, I didn't really want to be there anyway. And both of those things can be true, but neither side wants to look like the bad guy in this because they have reputations, they have legacies on the line. Everyone remembers Ted Thompson as the guy who traded Brett Favre to get to Aaron Rodgers. It looks great in retrospect, but if you're Brian Gutekinds, Mike Murphy, Mark Murphy, and and Matt LaFleur, You are in a precarious position right now because you are saying, Aaron Rodgers, thanks, but no thanks. We'll take Jordan Love. And we don't get to assess that with the benefit of the hindsight of seeing Aaron Rodgers' career. Now, it's easy to say, oh yeah, Ted Thompson, what a genius. 
when really it was Ted Thompson. Look at the guile and the guts it took for him to make a decision like that. Where do we go from here? Who has the leverage? Well, the Packers have a plan in 2023 at quarterback. It's Jordan Love. And they're going to eat money on this deal no matter what. If Aaron Rodgers retires and they get nothing for him, they have to eat money. If they trade him, they have to eat money. And coming back to Green Bay is no longer an option. So they're eating money no matter what. They can wait. They can wait on the Jets to get desperate because the Jets are desperate. We know the Jets are desperate. Woody Johnson would love to have a superstar quarterback. Aaron Rodgers would be the best quarterback in Jets history. There was that clip circulating with Aaron Rodgers and Brandon Marshall. Where Brandon Marshall said Aaron Rodgers could become an all-time Jet. And Rodgers said not in just one year. And the answer to that truly is, yes, you can. Which is the answer Brandon Marshall gave. If the Jets go out and win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, he is a made man in New York. He is an all-time great Jet immediately that moment. And the Jets are going to play hardball. They're going to try and get a discount on the guy who would immediately be the best and greatest player in the franchise's history? I don't see it happening. This is probably going to come together rather quickly now because the Jets, they don't have any options. It is Rodgers or bust, and they cannot possibly afford to bust. Stay up to date all year on the Green Bay Packers by following Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Packers on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, the Cowboys roster is changing rapidly. Before we get to just how much, the Cincinnati Bengals are protecting Joe Burrow. The midway point in the NBA season is here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download FanDuel Sportsbook. It's safe and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers or threes drained. You can check out the 8-9 matchup of Auburn and Iowa. These matchups are always tough to predict. And FanDuel has number 9 Auburn favored by a point and a half over Iowa, this actually fits with the historical numbers. Nine seeds beat eight seeds more often than not. You can also combine multiple prop bets in one game into a same game parlay for an even larger payout. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Cincinnati Bengals are luring away one of Patrick Mahomes' most trusted linemen to protect Joe Burrow. Orlando Brown Jr. is a Cincinnati Bengal. He is going to sign a four-year, $64 million contract with the Bengals. It's huge, huge news. Mike Garofolo, by the way, of NFL Network, the first to report it. It's huge news for a variety of reasons. But let's just get to the heart of it. Everyone knows. You don't have to be a Bengals fan to know that the Bengals have struggled to protect Joe Burrow, right? 
pinch me if you've heard this, right? I'd be pinched the whole time. You'd punch me in the arm, my arm would be really sore. If you've heard it, right? You've heard it everywhere. You heard it after Super Bowl 56. You heard it in the AFC Championship game when they lost to Kansas City. You heard it on the run to Super Bowl 56 when Joe Burrow was sacked nine times against the Titans and they were able to squeak one out at Nissan Stadium. The point is, that isn't new. And so the fact that the Bengals, who hadn't signed an external free agent, they were one of five teams that hadn't signed one as of 10 Eastern on Wednesday night, they go out and they get the biggest fish in the market, the biggest fish at left tackle, and they get him for a reasonable price. Knowing the division is wide open, the New Orleans Saints have added Jamal Williams to their backfield. Get your Naruto headbands on, New Orleans. Jamal Williams is a saint. I'm Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast. The New Orleans Saints, who are supposed to be cap-strapped this offseason, have just signed the NFL's rushing touchdowns leader from just a year ago, running back Jamal Williams. And this is huge for the New Orleans Saints, as they now go from having what was going to be a depleted locker room at the position that could potentially take on more damage with a potential suspension expected for Alvin Kamara at the beginning of the 2023 season, to have Having one of the NFL's best in their locker room and you get an emotional leader you get a cultural leader you get a hard worker work ethic everything that the New Orleans Saints love packaged into an explosive running back that can also catch out of the backfield by the way for more on how Jamal Williams can potentially change the New Orleans Saints offense in 2023 make sure you follow along with the Locked On Saints podcast part of Locked On Podcast Network your team every day the New England Patriots are signing Juju Smith-Schuster. If you want to know why Juju Smith-Schuster is about to become a New England Patriot, the answer is simple. It's all about the yak. I'm Mike DeBate, host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. And just one day after losing top wideout Jacoby Myers via free agency to the Las Vegas Raiders, New England Patriots adding a bit of flamboyance to their roster in 2023, at least their wide receiver core, by signing Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster to a three-year deal, $33 million. That is much to the chagrin of former New England Patriots receiver Jacoby Myers, who signed with the Raiders. He quote-tweeted the report of Juju signing by simply saying, cold world, LOL. Chances are probably not actually laughing. Baker Mayfield is heading south. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback competition is real. I am James Yarko, one of the hosts of the Locked On Bucks podcast, here to tell you that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and quarterback Baker Mayfield have agreed to terms on a one-year deal worth up to $8.5 million. Now, Mayfield's base salary for this upcoming season is $4 million, and he is not anointed the starter by any means right out of the gate. There is expected to be a true quarterback competition between Mayfield and former second-round pick from the University of Florida, Kyle Trask, who has been with the team the last few seasons, studied under Tom Brady, and is familiar with the team and what needs to be accomplished from the quarterback position. And over in the NBA, the Boston Celtics traveled out to Minnesota to take on the T-Wolves. It wasn't pretty, but the Celtics survived in Minnesota behind Jalen Brown's 35. I'm John Corrales of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. I actually liked how this game went for the Celtics. I didn't like the way they played necessarily, but I like that they faced this adversity again and that they at least figured out how to close this game out because it was starting to trend towards another blown lead and maybe another collapse. 
Minnesota did the Boston Celtics a favor by missing a ton. The officials did the Celtics a favor by missing Grant Williams, stealing the tip at the end. But hey, sometimes you got to get a little lucky to win the game. Here is another story you need to know. The Dallas Cowboys have already been busy this offseason. They trade for Stephon Gilmore to bolster a secondary after they don't get Jalen Ramsey. We don't know how in that discussion they really were. Then there's an outgoing player, Zeke Elliott, a, a franchise stalwart since he got to the NFL is headed elsewhere. Joining me now from Locked On Cowboys, Marcus Mosher. And Marcus, there are a handful of, of starting caliber players like Leighton Vanderesh I didn't even mention. So what stands out to you so far with the Cowboys offseason? Understanding we're just a couple days in. The, the Cowboys lost in the divisional round of the playoffs because the offense wasn't good enough, right? They put up nine points in that game. So what do they do this offseason? They rebuild the defense and bring back Leighton Vanderesh and bring back Donovan Wilson and make a big trade for Stephon Gilmore. All moves, by the way, that I like individually. But on offense, you cut Ezekiel Elliott. I think we can all agree it was time to move on. You let Dalton Schultz, your tight end, walk in free agency. You move on from Kellen Moore, your offensive coordinator. You lose a starting left guard in Connor McGovern. It's a very, very interesting offseason plan for the Cowboys so far. Yeah, there's a difference between doing things that make sense individually and doing things that make your team better. It may, may have made sense to cut Ezekiel Elliott, but it might be better to have Zeke on your team than not, depending on how Jerry Jones feels about it that day and, and how much he wants Mike McCarthy to run the ball. So what do they need to do, do you think, to, to get better so that they don't get bounced in the divisional round? They've got to add a number two playmaker opposite of CD lamb, right? Like we know lamb is a superstar and I think Tony Pollard is going to be just fine when he comes back from his injury. But who is that other guy when it's third and six that you can throw the ball to or give the ball to, and it's going to make a play. I don't think that guy is on the roster right now. And he might not ever be on the roster this year because it's just a weird free agency period and offseason market, but they've got to get somebody else on offense that moves the needle. Can I interest you in Odell Beckham Jr.? <sighs> How much are we talking? Like, are we talking <laughs> 15 million? Or are we talking like 8 million? He reportedly wants 20. Yeah. Good luck, Odell. Uh, understanding that, is there is there a name out there? This is not a great free agent class. Like we, we've heard names like DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Cooks, um, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, guys out there. Are there names that you think, okay, for the right price, that makes sense for Dallas? Well, we should also mention the draft because I do think yeah. there's a possibility there, but the Cowboys pick at number 26. And listen, I don't know how much you've kind of dove into the draft, but this is not the best wide receiver class no. we've seen for a while. So I think the best option probably is a trade. Now you look at, the market you named all the guys. Brandon Cooks has a big contract, sixteen million a year. Odell wants twenty million a year. DeAndre Hopkins has, I think, it's two years, thirty-five million. I don't know if the Cowboys can absorb any of those guys into their current cap. But the one guy that you mentioned, who is on a rookie deal, that I do think makes some sense, is Jerry Judy. Now, mm. what does it take to get him? I don't know. But if you're looking at receivers that would fit a Mike McCarthy offense which is basically just a lot of slants and drag routes. I actually think Jerry Judy's a perfect fit. Uh, as you look around the NFC, you know, the, the 49ers are in flux. We don't know what's going on with their quarterback situation. Um, the, the, the Eagles 
have have retained some players and and lost some others. And Aaron Rodgers appears to be headed to the NFC East, and they weren't even really in the mix last season. So if you're Dallas, don't you feel like, hey, we we might be one receiver away from really being not just yes. contenders, but maybe even the favorite. Yes. Uh, Dak Prescott is the longest tenured quarterback in the NFC right now, mm. which is pretty wild when you think about yeah. it. So, yeah, I agree. Stay up to date all year on the Dallas Cowboys by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Cowboys on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, we get you set with some of the best bets from the first round of the NCAA tournament. The Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know I'll be voting for the Coconut Puff, my absolute favorite, something I have almost every day. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50, 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs Delivered monthly straight to your door. I wish I were eligible to win. I would love that. You have to try Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, ever. Low in sugar, covered in 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein. And it, it's just, it tastes like, unlike anything you've ever had before in this space. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your pick. With the round of 64 officially underway today, Lee Sterling from Locked On Bets joins Isaac Shade from Locked On College Basketball to give you the best bets in the first round. And so, Lee, here's my first question. As you look at the 16 games on Thursday, which line is just too big for you? I, I think it's going to be ten, uh, Tennessee is one of them. Tennessee is laying 11 and a half points here. They're going to face a Louisiana Lafayette team and the Raging Cajuns. These kids play hard. They have a Nevada transfer, Jordan Brown, averaging almost 20 points per game. And they don't have many long stretches of periods where they can't score. They play extremely hard. Sometimes they'll play nine, 10 guys. Uh, foul trouble is not going to give them a problem here. So I think 11 and a half is a little too much there. And another game that's too much and it's a low line is the St. Mary's line. Like mm. four and a half against Virginia Commonwealth. And you're saying, well, that's a that's a five seed. Well, St. Mary's hasn't played well the last couple of weeks. Virginia Commonwealth will press, full court press. Their defense allows just 63.1 points per game. So you're getting uh, almost five points. Probably going to be a low scoring game. And how do you go against their senior guard named Ace Baldwin, one of the best names in college basketball. I think Virginia Commonwealth's playing some great basketball. Who knows? They might not only win this game, win another game. They're my sleeper to make Ooh. it to Sweet 16. I love that, Lee. Yes, probably a low possession game might be a first team to 50 sort of situation right. there between these two teams. Lee, what about the flip side? What line for you is just too small? I, I would say the Miami line, Miami of Florida. So this line opened at three and a half. The public loves Drake here. Uh, Drake, great you know, record, but they haven't played anyone. Miami beat Duke by 20 points at home. I think they would have won the game if Norchette Almeida, he doesn't get hurt in the first minute of that game. In the ACC Duke. semifinal. And then, yeah, and then yeah. on top of that, it wasn't just the injury. The calls down the stretch were horrible. 
I think it's a bad matchup for Drake against any other team that might pull off the upset, but they're not going to beat my Miami Hurricanes. Lay the <laughs> lay the one and a half point. This line should be five or six points. I'm right with you there. I'm all in on the Canes. I've got them in my Elite Eight. Lee, one of my favorite things to look at when we're looking at lines is a classic wrong team favored situation. Right. It's always my favorite to look at and search out like, why is that team favored? Who are you looking at as a wrong team favored situation? Okay, I'm going to look at Creighton. The public loves Creighton, Ooh. but they have periods for five, six, seven minutes. They can't score a point. North Carolina State, their backcourt, especially Smith, they're trying to shoot when they hit the parking lot. They scored 97 <laughs> points against a pretty good Virginia Tech team that came close to making the tournament here. So they can score and combine with Creighton having scoring problems here. The wrong team is favored. Give me North Carolina State Wolfpack here straight up. I love to hear a straight up on that. That backcourt of Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner is absolutely vicious. Would love to see a second round matchup with them and Baylor. Battle of the backcourts. I'm here for that take. Stay up to date all year on college basketball by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On College Basketball on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. And finally, the Masters Club dinner menu is set. Scotty Scheffler is serving cheeseburger sliders, steak, and chocolate chip cookies. He said he isn't big on fish, but will serve a Texas redfish for those who don't like red meat. The Masters Club dinner dates in 1952, an idea started by Ben Hogan for all the Masters champions to have dinner together. The only other person in the room is the club chairman by invitation of the winners. Also on the menu will be family-style sides and a few other appetizers. Previous menus have ranged from sushi for Hideki Matsuyama to more Town Bay Bugs for Adam Scott to Sakai Salmon Tartar for Mike Weir. What would be on your master's dinner? That's an interesting question. I hadn't thought about it. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, what upsets will we see on day one of the men's NCAA tournament? You know there's going to be a bunch. So at least until tomorrow... Stay locked on sports today.